The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Social Selling with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Indeed, here she is. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place once again. Today's buzz, a race to the finish. Let me get started. Time is money. We've heard it so many times and we know it's true, but it's especially true and that time and money are especially precious as we get into where we are right now, the last quarter of the year, especially if it's your company's fiscal year. According to a Dell study, get the this. 70% of B2B, that's business-to-business purchase decision makers, now use social media to help them decide what to buy, when to buy, and from whom to buy. Get that again, 70% of B2B. That's not just a few, that's a lot. So let's do the bottom line for you. If your salespeople are not using social selling, or if they don't have the, what I call the social selling savvy, I think we're going to coin that term, to read the customers and their future, their prospects, future customers' digital signals along that buying journey, Guess what? They're going to need a lot of help getting you across the finish line this year. We have a panel of three experts. We always have a panel of three experts. They're smart. They're savvy. They're going to share their insights, their advice, their experience, their expertise. You don't want to miss this. So let's introduce our first guest. He is Coca Sexton. He is a content marketing and social media and LinkedIn evangelist, startup advisor, social selling guru, and he's currently with LinkedIn. And Coca sent me the following quote from General George Patton, uh, disputed whether it was in a lecture to the troops or whether it is in a book called Patton Principles. But here is the quote, very, very important. The quote is, lead me, follow me, or get the hell out of my way. Coca Sexton, welcome to Social Selling with Game Changers. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. Oh, delighted to have you. That I'm not sure what your exact title is, but you're all over the map. Are you basically a LinkedIn evangelist right now, Coca? Say that again? Are you a LinkedIn evangelist? Is that your current title? Um, well, my title is, you know, is, you know Senior Manager of, of Corporate Communications, but I do so many different things outside of what my title would be, you know, quote-unquote. Okay, well, we're glad to have you here, and obviously you have the expertise. Why a quote from George S. Patton? How does that, General Patton, how does that fit with our topic today? So, you know, I think that when it came to me getting involved in social selling, if it was, you know, when I was in a sales role myself or even anything without my career, 
you know, I've always taken the, you know, the kind of the, the cowboy approach. And somebody had given me this quote, um, you know, many, many years ago, and it really stuck with me. Um, and, it, and I'm a vet as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. the whole idea of lead me, follow me, or get out of my way is something that is very, um, very tangible to me because I want, I want, I want good leadership around me. Mm-hmm. I feel very confident in my, in my activities. So, you know, I'm happy to have you follow me. But if you're not going to lead me or follow me, really don't be an obstacle in my path to success and just get out of my way. And I think that, uh, you know, um, Patton, when he, put, when he said this, like it, it, that was the essence of it. So tell me something, Coca. Let's get real here. If you're in an organization, you've got a sales team. A few of them are up to the minute, up to the moment, if you will, on social selling savvy. I still want to trademark that term. I don't know if anybody's using it, but you and I should talk about that after the show. If some of the sales team gets it and some of them don't, should the ones who get it say to even their manager who might not get it, lead me, follow me, or get the hell out of my way. I'm going to close strong. I'm going to use social selling. I'm going to use social listening. I know what's going on. Get out of my way. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going for the for the gold this year. Is that the way you see it happening in in real life, Coca? Um, I do. I mean, especially mm. for the good salespeople. Uh, I mean, and that was kind of the the, the path that I took. You mm-hmm. know, when I was initially using social media, when I first started using this as a salesperson, you know, seven seven plus years ago, my manager used to laugh at me. In fact, I used to get called into his office, you know, on a, almost a weekly or a monthly basis because my the metrics they were measuring me on outside of revenue and pipeline, which were number of dials and talk time, you know, those are the, the hard metrics they were looking at. Like, I was mm-hmm. always at the bottom of the board. But Ooh. I kept telling them, like, this social media, like the LinkedIn, like leveraging social media as a sales tool is going to pay out, you know, huge dividends, and they just didn't believe it. Um, you know, now obviously times have changed, and, you know, sales reps are a lot more savvy than they were seven-plus years ago. Now, managers haven't evolved as fast as the sales reps, and I think it's because the sales reps know they need to adapt fast in order to be competitive. So, yes, I think that the sales reps need to basically tell their boss, if they're actually doing their job, if they're hitting their numbers, if they're filling their pipeline, hey, just stay out of my way, I know what I'm doing, and, and start, continue to buckle down and learn these best practices. Okay, well, we've had a reality check here, so watch out for Coca Sexton. Thank you very much, Coca, for, for that. I appreciate it, and welcome to the show. And let me introduce now our second panelist. He is Tom Nusko, N-U-S-K-O. He's the social media lead for Middle and Eastern Europe. That's M-E-E, in case you love alphabet soup, at S-A-P. And Tom has sent me a wonderful quote from Walt Disney. Who, Tom, Walt Disney seems to be popping up on so many of our Game Changers radio shows, like Mark Twain, Winston Churchill, Albert Einstein, everybody quotes Einstein. But Walt Disney seems to be coming into a resurgence of popularity. By the way, those of you wondering, if you don't know the name Disney, my goodness, get out from under that rock. He was an American entrepreneur, a cartoonist, an animator. I don't know if everybody knows. He was also a voice actor as well as a film producer, and he was a Hollywood business mogul. Think the Walt Disney Company, Walt Disney World, etc., etc. Here's the quote. The way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. I want to say amen. Tom Nusko, welcome to the show. How are you today, Tom? Doing wonderful. Thanks for having me, Bonnie. We're delighted. Talk to me. Interesting quote. How did you come to pick it for our topic? Well, first of all, you know, I'm a classical geek. So I'm in IT and I'm into um, comics. Um, Not the comics that you guys in the States are um, looking 
Or when it comes to classical geeks like Marvel Comics and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. really the Walt Disney comics and uh, the Uncle Scrooge stuff. And uh, so for me, Walt Disney is, as you said, not only a great um, artist, but also a great entrepreneur. And that's why I took this quote. And I thought it um, fits rather good to our conversation as basically in Q4, you need to get things done. It's now or never. And it's the same when it comes to social media and social selling, to be specific. Many people are talking about it. But, you know, talking enough is just not enough. And um, so in the end, I thought the way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing is perfectly fine quote for today's session. Thank you very much, Tom. I have a question for you. Do you think that salespeople, maybe I'll call them the old guard. They've been around for a while. Social selling to them is like when many, many years ago, somebody introduced me to the Macintosh and I was a mainframe programmer, analyst, a coder. We're talking punch cards, key punch cards. I know, I know, IBM 4341 (laughs) and Xerox Sigma 6 CP5 and the huge disk packs. And somebody showed me this little box with this thing on a cord called a mouse. And I said, get out of here. And I tried to talk my way out of it, but the future was there and I became a a desktop publishing specialist, et cetera, et cetera. So do you think the people who are talking and talking and talking about social, but not doing it, talking back to what Coca and I were talking about with the patent quote, do you think that they're the ones who need to just put the pedal to the metal and start doing, maybe they're afraid. Do you think there's a fear factor in sales about going full tilt or 100% on social quickly? What do you think, Tom? Uh, I I would agree with you um, saying, you know, just give it a try and go go full um, full pedal to the metal. Uh, besides that, I also agree um, that from, based on my experiences at customers, but also within SAP, there's a slight fear, which is not um, necessarily correlated to age, uh, because that is an assumption that many people uh, do make. And um, mm. I can um, say this is not um, right based on my experiences. Um, whether somebody is open-minded um, to, op- uh, to new things and to just give them a try is uh, not something when it comes to age. It's a general behavior that I experience through all ages. So, uh, first of all, there might be a slight fear as it is something new. But, you know, basically, what do you have um, to lose? Um, as Coca just said, um, if you're at the top of the leaderboard, um, you know, then you're doing some things right. And um, then also you can, you know, just uh, give it a try um, to um, go forward and um, execute on new um, technologies as well. And if you're at the bottom of that leaderboard, man, you need to try everything from my perspective. I appreciate that. That is putting the pedal to the metal. And and thank you for the correction on age. I was thinking people have been around a while, which could be for a long time, and they still could be young people. So, so yeah, we're going to expand that idea. Thank you, Tom, and welcome again. Kirsten Boylow, welcome back to your series. Always pleasure to have you on every week. You're such a brave soul. And Kirsten is the Director of Digital Startup, leading the SAP Social Business and Social Selling Initiatives for SAP Global Marketing. It's a very long title. Uh, Kirsten has sent me a quote from Warren Buffett. If anybody hasn't checked recently, Buffett is 85. His net worth is 60 
66.7 billion, that's with a B, U.S. dollars, according to Forbes in 2015. And uh, loosely put, he's an American business magnate, an investor, a philanthropist, and he is considered the most successful investor of the 20th century. And by the way, a little sidebar here, he would read when he started investing his career in his career and investing as a career, uh, Warren Buffett would read 600, 750, or even 1,000 pages a day. And right now at age 85, he apparently still spends 80% of his day reading. He says, look, my job is essentially corralling more and more and more facts and information and occasionally seeing whether that leads to some action. We want to get the facts and then think. I think think was the operative word there. So here's the quote from that Kirsten is using on our show today. According to Warren Buffett, it's just not necessary to do extraordinary things to get extraordinary results. Kirsten Boylo, how are you today? I am wonderful today, Bonnie. Thank you very much. Well, delighted. Love the Warren Buffett quote. I think this is Mr. Buffett's first time on Game Changers Radio. So how did you come across this quote? How did you pick it for our show today, Kirsten? Well, I got thinking about, you know, the whole phenomenon of social selling and, and everybody, you know, how everybody's so excited about it and looking at it as a brand new thing, but it's, it's honestly not. It's, it's a way, a new technique of, um, uh, well, a new platform, really, of interacting with your customers. But what you actually do to interact with your customers is nothing new. You you still connect with them. You still, you know, and uh, build relationships with them. You listen to what their challenges are and then engage with them in conversation. And all of those things are, um, you know, what sales has been doing for for years. That's, that's nothing new. It's just a platform that you actually um, – practice those things on are, are, is a different platform. And so that's where I felt like it, it really fit with the, the whole social selling philosophy that it's, it's not an extraordinary thing. It's not something that's out of the ordinary uh, of the realm of sales, uh, but it is getting extraordinary results because of the way that we're able to build those relationships and to, um, to really interact with people and engage in, the, in that conversation with people, uh, customers on the social platforms. Thank you, Kirsten. Question for you, going back to Coca's opening quote and discussion and Tom Nusko's as well. Do you think that the fear factor is because people in the sales force who are new to social selling think they have to do the heavy lifting, if you will, or really pushing that foot down on the gas pedal, equivalent to doing extraordinary things in order to get great results? Do you think if they, if we hung this sign up, this great Warren Buffett quote, Kirsten, do you think it might convince them to just calm down, do their reading, do mm-hmm. their learning, and just do it, and they will be successful? What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I think we need to take that fear factor out. When I go to a sales team and when I'm training our trainers internally, we always start with the basics. Let's start with, you know, what kind of a digital presence you have and just take it in in step by step from there Uh, by throwing, you know, right into, they always come to me and say, well, I I have no idea what Twitter is and I don't, I don't want to use Twitter and, and I don't, I don't know how to use the other platforms and, and, 
And I'm like, well, we don't have to start there. Let's just kind of start at the very basics. And I, and I get a lot of um, feedback that comes back to me after doing one of these sessions or when one of my trainers has done one of these sessions. And they really feel like, okay, I feel like I can do this. We've, we've walked through it. You've shown me the steps. I've actually been able to do some of it during this workshop. And I really feel that, you know, I've been able, I can move forward now and I can actually take this, this new skill set into my daily uh, activities. So I think I, I would absolutely agree. We can really um, take away that fear factor by, by taking that um, whole extraordinariness out of the social, um, social selling ideas and, uh, and really make it very basic. And that what that's what makes it such a great quote. We have to have pillows crocheted for the holidays as gifts for everybody in sales. I think we'll pat or mugs, Coca and Tom will get mugs made with the Warren Buffett quote and pass them around. What do you think? Good idea. Sounds great. Okay. I, lo- I like the pillow Kir- idea way more than the mugs. <laughs> Kir- Kirsten, my dear, I hope you have budget because I don't. We'll, we'll have to talk about this. Yes, we will. Coca, you might have to talk to LinkedIn and say, hey, we need some pillows. Anyway, Coca, I'm circling back to you with a smile on my face. We are ready for the What's in Your Cup segment of the show. We just want to know a little bit about who is the real Coca Sexton. Where are you calling from? What time of day or evening is it? And what do you love to drink right now or right after the show, Coca? So I'm located in California, uh, just a few miles east of San Francisco. Um, in my cup at the moment, I am drinking Nespresso um, out of my little out of my uh, Nespresso machine that's uh, mm-hmm. here in the office, uh, out of my LinkedIn mug. Very nice. And uh, is the espresso good? It is very good. Okay, I'm like glad to hear. Well caffeinated around here. <laughs> is that part of your how you do extraordinary things all day is to stay caffeinated? Um, it definitely helps. I'd like to think that I could be extraordinary without the caffeine, but it definitely does. Uh, it, it adds something to it. Okay. And Coca, I asked you this when I met you on our prep call a while ago. What, where does the name Coca come from? It's a beautiful name. What does it mean and what's the origin, if you don't mind sharing that with us? Well, first, thank you for saying it's beautiful. It, um, it really was the bane of my existence until I hit about high school. Um, before that, it was basically me being made fun of and chased around, um, you know, around the neighborhood. Uh, the, the name is short for Constantine. Uh, my mom's side of the family is Russian, um, and Constantine is the family name. Um, when I was born, uh, they wanted to name me Constantine, the family name, but uh, my dad, who was not on the Russian side of the family, uh, didn't want me to have a name that I wasn't going to be able to pronounce until I was about 10 years old. So this <laughs> argument ensued uh, in the delivery room, um, and my grandmother, being the very uh, opinionated Russian uh, lady that she was, won the argument, but she conceded and shortened the name to Coca. Well, I love the story. I, I feel <laughs> caffeinated already. Thank you. I heard it once before, and I still think it's worth hearing over and over and over again. So Grandma won out. Very, very good. Bravo, Grandma. Grandma always well, won. That was, that was her MO. She always won. <laughs> Coca, I have a message for you from me, and I'm a, gra- I'm a young grandma. We always want to win, but we don't always get there. So we, we don't always get those extraordinary results, but I'm glad your grandma did, Robert. Well, I still think it's a beautiful name, and I would not have teased you so there. And it's much easier to pronounce and look at than Constantine. So grandma was a very smart lady. Let's yeah. turn to Tom Nusko. I know you're calling in from somewhere in Germany. Why don't you tell us where, what time it is? And I think I already know your favorite drink, but why don't you share? it with the audience please 
Sure. Um, over here, um, it's um, 20 past 4 p.m., so I'm already um, in my afternoon mood, um, and that's why in my cup um, is a Red Bull, um, my most favorite drink. So Coca and I have something in common. I like to stay caffeinated as well, and uh, without it, um, I won't survive until um, the evening. Uh, that said, um, location where I'm dialing in from um, is a beautiful but small town in South Germany. Uh, it's named Waldorf, maybe um, like 0.00001% of the listeners know this town. So the next bigger town is uh, Heidelberg, where we have a very famous castle and many, many tourists are coming uh, to visit the great neighborhood that I'm living in. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Now, I am not that familiar. I've never had Red Bull, but I was asked to shop for some for a friend recently. And when I went to the store, there was, I think, a silver can and a red one and a blue one. And I had to call this person on my cell phone and say, well, damn it, which one do you want? So what's your favorite? And and quickly, what's the difference? That's only one um, that I call the original, which is uh, the uh-huh. <laughs> because um, that is the one that tastes good and all the other things. I mean, I am in marketing, so I know that those things might be, you know, just little marketing tactics to expand mar- uh, market, uh, the part of market um, share. Um, I don't like them that much, to be honest. But, um, you know, there are also some um, great Red Bulls uh, in Asia because the drink has uh, its heritage, um, its roots in Asia. And uh, these Red Bulls can't be compared basically what we have in the Western Hemisphere as they are three times, four times as strong um, as the normal blue Red Bulls that we have in the States and in Germany. So maybe Coca also a good recommendation for you besides Nespresso to stay caffeinated. <laughs> I am a big fan I, of Red Bull as well, and I only go with the original can. Usually the sugar-free because it gets really sweet, but I'm a big fan of the Red Bull. There you go. And co- and uh, Tom introduced me to the hashtag gives you wings. I think that's for Red Bulls because I just tweeted it. Is that right, Tom? Absolutely. Um, Thank you. Ba- basically, um, as, I, as I said before, um, at um, you know this time of the year in Q4 and at um, also this time of the day in the late afternoon at my end of the world, you just need something that gives you wings. And uh, sometimes it's Nespresso, sometimes it's Red Bull. For me personally, I stick to Red Bull and I'm doing great with it. <laughs> Well, you sound great, so I'm I'm a big fan all of a sudden. Thank you very much. I'll have to try one. I'll tell you a little secret in a minute that nobody knows. It'll just be between you and me, Tom. Nobody else will know this, and Kirsten's going to laugh. She knows what it is. Kirsten Boylow, my dear, where are you? What are you drinking, or what do you wish you were drinking after the show? I am in very sunny Waterloo, Ontario, Canada today. It's actually really quite warm. Uh, well, warm relatively for fall. It's, I think, around 10 degrees Celsius. And um, I am going on the healthy route, and I am drinking a pear ginger smoothie. Ooh. It, yeah, nice and spicy with rice milk and, as the base and uh, almond butter and honey and fresh ginger. It's, it's really quite good. And, and how do you get the pears in there? Is that, are those fresh pears? Do you peel them? Are they red pears or green pears or yellow pears? Any variety you want? You could probably use any variety. I just picked two that were on our counter. I have no idea what kind they were. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, I've recently been experimenting with different kinds of pears because I like them with a little slice of Jarlsberg cheese in the evening while I'm watching TV. And red pears are can be good as long as you don't buy them too mushy. Well, getting back to drinks, Tom, a little secret between you and me, and, and actually Kirsten already knows, Coca doesn't know, they don't let Bonnie... That's me. Have caffeine on live radio show days. And I think you probably figured out why. And on that note, we're going to say our topic today. We're still talking about Social Selling 101. That's what I love to call this series. Kirsten is our sponsor, and she has so much knowledge, and she knows so many interesting people like Coca Sexton and Tom Nusko, who are our panelists today. Our topic today, if you haven't guessed, is the final sprint, closing strong with social selling. And the answer is yes, you can, and yes, you should, and yes, if you listen up, you will know how. So don't even think of going anywhere. Don't touch that dial. Don't touch that mouse. Don't touch that app, however you're listening. And we'll be right back with a lot more. So Justin, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Social media is taking sales organizations by storm, and only those who adapt quickly into the new digital world will be around in the future. Social selling is a new tool that has implications to all lines of business, from building the fundamentals in the sales process and getting the content marketing mix right, to building cross-functional teams and building the systems to truly measure the impact of social. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how social selling is changing the world of business. Social Selling with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Social Selling with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Social Selling with Game Changers. Here we are, and welcome back. Social Selling 101, we're still trying to get you off the ground. If you think it takes extraordinary effort, maybe it does, but we're trying to simplify it, bring it down to a level where everybody can understand it, and there's no reason why you should not be embracing the tools of social selling, social listening, everything social. That's our world today. Speaking today with Coca Sexton at LinkedIn, Tom Nusko at SAP, and Kirsten Boylow, of course, Kirsten Boylow at SAP. And our topic is a race to the finish, the final Sprint closing strong with you guessed it social selling. We're ready for our roundtable. Very excited. We have great topics coming up, and Coca Sexton has agreed to kick this off with me. And we're going to start with the following very provocative statement you sent me here, Coca. You say social selling is the single biggest movement in sales since email, and you add to that since email's invention in 1978. By the way, was that Al Gore too? I'm sorry. There hasn't been a <laughs> massive shift in. <laughs> I I don't know. Maybe it's Donald Trump or maybe it's Ben Carson. Couldn't tell. There hasn't been a massive shift in communication with sales professionals until the creation of social media. That's a long time in between, Coca. Talk to me. How come? Well, you know, 
as I think about like how the, the the technology advancements for sales professionals, you know, the earliest thing I can go back to is this invention or the, the latest invention of email. And I remember what it was like as a salesperson when email was first, you know, kind of brought into the market. You know, and even though email was invented in 1978, it wasn't really being massively used by professionals for many, many years later. And as a salesperson, using email was almost like a luxury. It was your boss saying, hey, we'll set you up with an email account, but we still want you to do nothing but either um, knock on doors or make phone calls or whatever those traditional sales um, you know, tactics were. And over time, email became more and more a part of a sales professional's you know, toolkit. And you know, it's almost unheard of now where you would be a sales professional and not have an email address. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's given to you along with your, your phone number and your computer and everything when you onboard. It's just part of the process now. And I feel that sales, uh, social selling is, is the biggest movement because eventually we're going to get to a point where you're not going to get a job as a sales professional unless you have a LinkedIn profile. You're not going to get a sales job unless you've, you, you've got a, a decent follow, you know, activity uh, following on, on something like Twitter. You know, these early adopters for social selling are the ones that are reaping the rewards. Um, you know, they've found a methodology. They're following the right people that are the, the, the talker, the um, thought leaders in the space, and they're learning how to leverage these tools. I mean, if, going back to the, to the email conversation, I mean, email, mm-hmm. it used to be really easy to send an email and get an immediate response, but how many emails do we get these days? And I think that it really comes down to, you know, there was tactics mm-hmm. about how, how do you make the, the, the subject line. How long an email should be made? There's tactics that sales professionals use as best practices to leverage email to get in front of their buyer. And social media is, is being used in the exact same way. How do you mention people? Do you, you know, how, mm-hmm. how many interactions do you have before you take this conversation from online to offline? You know, the laggards are either going to fall behind um, because they can't adapt or they're being restricted from using social media. And I think that this new generation of sales professionals are mostly digital natives, and they're the ones reaping the rewards because they know how to leverage these, these platforms in a way that is um, beneficial to them in a professional context. Thank you, Coca. Great setup to that topic. Tom Nusko, join us. Thoughts on what Coca shared with us, please? Oh, my God. I still remember uh, the times when I dialed in with my 56K um, modem to check my email. <laughs> Those were the days. Flashback <laughs> Tuesday. Days. Throwback Tuesday. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, basically, um, I, I can agree with what uh, Coca just said. Like, um, normally... Um, People are, you know, excited and thrilled once they have this new technology. And some people, um, more or less, um, the younger ones especially, or those that are interested in um, in IT and in new um, stuff, those are giving it a try. But over time, it's just becoming more and more um, the the daily thing to do. You know, as Coca said, it's. Um, just the thing that you get your phone number and your email if you start working at a new company. Um, and that said, I believe um, really we will um, have um, in a couple of years um, just the same experience uh, that we right now have with um, with um, email that um, our inboxes or our timelines will just be, you know, 
w uh, will just explode. And that said, um, we had it with fax where we had, had spam. We had it with um, email where we have spam. And we will, uh, that's my um, prediction for the next years, also have more and more spams. And I experience this daily already in my timeline, have more and more spam uh, in social media as well. And that's uh, where I say um, it's important to be efficient when it comes to the usage of your time. And uh, here we have great tools um, with, um, when it comes to social listening and also to social selling in general that allow us to use our time as efficient uh, as possible in sales um, without getting distracted by too many uh, not relevant information from our families or from our former colleagues or also from spam in our timeline. And uh, based um, on that, um, I think uh, this will be a nice journey that we are right now still on from my perspective that I'm already looking forward to uh, in the next um, upcoming months and years because we, we are not there, obviously, where we are at the moment with email. Thank you very much, Tom. Kirsten Boileau, love to have your thoughts on this. Well, I, I agree with what Coca said uh, to a point. Um, you know, the digital natives, the millennials, the you know, early talent, however you want to name them, yes, they have that digital background. They understand how to use the platforms. But from my experience with our sales academy, uh, where, you know, we gather together hundreds of digital natives, they don't see social as a way to interact with business customers. They don't... They, they see it as their, their way to communicate with their friends. And, and it's, it's almost a, a complete re-education of how, the, yes, they know how to use the platform, the technology itself, but how to then shift what they're actually saying on those platforms to become a very business-oriented conversation is actually something experienced. And it's really interesting to see, uh, whereas on the, on the far side, you know, the, you know, the more uh, mature sales reps, they're not um, as familiar with the technology, but they do understand the concepts of having those business conversations in a different platform. And so it's not necessarily one over the other. They're, they both struggle, but in different ways. Hmm. Coca, I think we have a challenge here. Talk to us. Well, I mean, I don't really know if it's a challenge as much as we're saying the same thing in, in, in different ways. You know, I, okay. I do believe that, you know, even when I was get, first getting involved with social selling many, many years ago, that it was a brand new concept. And I didn't know how to leverage social media in a professional context. I used it to take pictures of my lunch and mm -hmm. to talk about, you know, the most random of things. <laughs> Uh, you know, the light bulb went off in my mind when I was using LinkedIn to connect with co coworkers and colleagues and people that I had met at events and, and, and business contacts. And then I realized that, hey, these people that I'm connected with on LinkedIn also have Twitter profiles. And the things they're talking about on Twitter are not the same things they're talking about on LinkedIn. And it allowed me to bridge that gap to have very relevant conversations about the things that actually matter to them um, that they were posting about their, their normal lives. And, you know, I think that, you know, the, 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 there's a, a generation or a, I don't want to like, make it an age thing, but there's a, a maturity level that people understand that see social media as a way, another channel to communicate with, their, with business contacts. And they're going to get it. And they're going to, you know, we have better tools and better um, training out now, but, you know, they were basically fumbling their way through the process to build a methodology mm -hmm. that worked for them. 
Um, but the, the, these younger generation, these individuals who know how to use social media, they're the digital natives, um, and they're, they're using Snapchat, they're using these, these platforms as a way to communicate with their friends. It's not that much of a difference for them once they understand, oh, you mean I just don't talk to them about, you know, the most random of things? I talk to my business contacts in the social network, you know, about professional things. Um, I, I think that the, the learning curve, because they already understand how social platforms work, they understand, you know, the basic mechanics of mentioning people and, and links and things along those lines. I think it's an easier process for them because they understand the platforms um, mm-hmm. than the individuals who say, I need to learn how to use these platforms, but they already have the, the goal set of, I know how to use them um, to communicate with the to decision makers. Thank you, Coca. I'm ready to move on to another topic, but I want to give Tom and Kirsten a chance to respond to what Tom, uh, what Coca just said. So, Tom, Kirsten, are you uh, you good with this? And can I move on? Or any thoughts on what uh, Coca just shared? Tom, this is Tom. Um, basic, basically, I really think that uh, you're right, Coca, when it comes um, to people um, that are you know not forty, not fifty, without you know being offensive to certain uh, age, um, you know, uh, the younger generations, often uh, cited millennials, they, they have it um, on average uh, easier to, um, you know, use Twitter and um, stuff like that. Still, um, I see where uh, Kirsten is coming from, as I made the same experiences once we were um, educating people, uh, younger people and also elder people on social selling. And uh, there, even though um, the people um, were really eloquent uh, on Twitter in their private life, we made um, quite some surprising um, experiences when it came to, okay, and now, you know, just copy that behavior in business, and that means these three bullets, follow them, and then you'll be fine, and then you'll have an easier way to sell. Um, so I, I think um, bo- both parts um, have um, have the right um, um, right side, um, but um, I would say the truth is in the middle of both, what um, Coca just said and what Kirsten Ah, Kirsten, we have to get your reply to this. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I can see how what Coca said, you know, that we're, we're saying the same things in different ways. It, it, you know, the millennials don't struggle with the technology, but they need education on how to interact in that professional sense, whereas, you know, the, the more mature uh, sales reps there, they have those conversations down and understand how to interact, although perhaps they go in with a hard sell versus, you know, engaging and, and uh, educating and being relevant in their conversation, um, but need more help on the technological side. So, yeah, I, I, I think we're, we're all saying the same things and just in different ways. Good, good conversation. I love this. You know, Kirsten knows that we don't want everybody to sit here and say, I agree, I agree, I agree. So even if we get shades of difference that interest each other and everybody comes back in with clarification, that's what we're having a good conversation. That That is great. So Tom Nusko, I'm looking at your topics you sent me before the show. Um, there's one I want to just mention, but I don't want to talk about it. I want to move to something else. You say sales is about trust and trust can be earned. I think that's a quotable moment and I want to move on from there. What I'd love to talk about is you say social selling is an iterative process. Don't think in quarters, think in short and long-term options. Talk to me, Tom Nusko. What does this mean to our audience? 
Um, basically, this was the first thing that came to my mind when I um, saw um, the topic of today's session, because I agree we are in Q4 right now, and um, especially over here um, in um, sales and marketing, uh, the number of tins of Red Bull um, consumed <laughs> is constantly increasing. And, and I think most of you feel me when it comes to your um, fiscal quarter number four, but um, I would not say, you know, drink that much uh, Red Bull each quarter. But what I would like to say is uh, drink some Red Bull um, each quarter and then you don't need to drink that much Red Bull at um, the end of the fiscal year. Um, so to bring it um, from Red Bull back to social selling, uh, what, I, what I'm meaning is that um, basically if you are not considering um, your um, sales activities, um, as you know, this has to be done by end of Q4 or end of Q1, but you uh, are really skipping your classical sales attitude and you'll become more approachable and helpful for your prospects in general, whether that is in Q1 or in Q4, then based on uh, my um, experiences, this way you'll become just more relevant and um, you have um, more and more um, great um, opportunities to um, nurture um, your prospects constantly and so that in the end they will um, approach you instead of you approaching them. And this mm. will happen nevertheless whether it's Q1, Q2, Q3 and Q4. So that's my point. Love it. Of, Very appropriate um, for our topic. Thank you. Kirsten, thoughts on what Tom just shared? Yeah, I think um, it's absolutely critical to to not. It's, social selling is not a you know a thirty day thing. It's not something that can happen overnight. It's not a. It, it's not a, a one time fix or um, one of those get rich quick schemes. It really is. Um, it's something that you need to do on a consistent basis to to build your brand, to, to um, build your reputation as someone who is that trusted advisor, can talk to people about the challenges that they're experiencing because you are, understand those experiences um, and, and then can, can provide solutions, but without making it that hard sell going in with, I've got the solution for you, going in with questions and engaging in the conversation and letting people know that you, you want to learn more about what it is that they're experiencing so that, um, that they can uh, feel comfortable uh, you know, with, with whatever it is that you have to offer because they know that you understand where they're coming from. Uh, it's that that constant um, engaging in conversation. And, and it, again, it just doesn't happen in Q4. You have to start in Q1 and start, you know, having those conversations so that when you get to Q4, they are coming to you and saying, look, this is, I know you, you know what I need. Let's get it done. Okay. Kirsten, before I, hard, yeah, go ahead, Tom. Mm -hmm. Thanks. And even though it might be hard and you might need to have another Red Bull, even one more, you know, don't think <laughs> only about your short-term short options in Q4 right now because um, what you 
the connections yeah. that you make up in Q4, Absolutely. those can already be used in Q1. And that's what I meant when it comes to think in short and long-term options and not only yeah. orders. So you're planting the seeds, you're laying the foundation. Before I bring Coca into this, Kirsten, while you were speaking, I was looking at your notes and here's something interesting. Uh, I don't think you covered it, but I'd like you to do it right now because it's germane to this part of the conversation. You say, at this point in the social selling transformation, not many people see social as a way to connect with buyers in the long term. So they're not getting the point that you and Tom are making. How how will that part of the transformation take place? When will it go knock, knock, anybody home? You are building the foundation of long-term relationship building using social now for a couple of quarters ahead, maybe not just this year-end close. Kirsten, how do we tell that to people? Uh, someone said to me the other day that uh, one of the things that works best in education is repeti- repetition. And mm-hmm. so it's just one of those things we just have to keep repeating that, you know, when we start back in Q1 in, you know, January 1st, that reach out now, start building that brand for yourself so that at the end of the year, you are, you know, that trusted advisor, that subject matter expert for your particular market. Uh, and, and, but keeping repeating that all the way through the year, I think we'll hopefully we'll get at least to a few people who can then start scaling that repetition for us. Thank you. Coca Sexton, thoughts? I've got a million thoughts on this topic. Um, Good. You know, I, I believe Let's count them. You, Let's count a million ways. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. If you're waiting till Q4 to do the hard sell on your customers, you're doing something very, very wrong. I mean, kind of echoing what everybody's already said, you should be adding value to the conversations you have with these decision makers, these buyers, every single day. You know, you want to be the single point of resource for these decision makers. And you can't force somebody to sign the check. You may be able to influence it in some way, but if you are that single point of resource, if you're that person that's helping that buyer through the journey by adding insights into things that they may not be thinking about, if you are that subject matter expert that's coming to those buyers and saying, here are some things you may want to know about the industry, here are things that I'm hearing as I'm talking to other customers, and you become that single point of resource, you're going to be, it's going to be a no-brainer for them to want to buy from you because it's not, they're not just buying your product, they're buying your knowledge. You know, and as you're moving through the year, as you're thinking about, you know, 2016, you need to start building those connections. You know, we find time and time again that you are, you know, five times more likely to get into a decision maker if you leverage your connections. So how do you do that? You start building those connections now. You start figuring out who those people are that are working within these organizations that need to hear your message that need to, you know, you have to have some type of influence over. So you can start adding that value very early on so that when you need to get a hold of that VP or that CMO or whoever it is that, you know, ultimately does, you know, have the, the approval on, on the opportunity, that you are already baked into that process. And if you are adding insights and you're leveraging your connections to get into those deals and you're that single point of resource by adding value, you're never going to have to hard close. They're going to be, you know, you're going to be holding people back and what, you know, in the sales terminology, sandbagging deals to make sure that you have a consistent pipeline throughout the year. I love it. Thank you very much. Tom, thoughts on that? Basically, you and I really have the same mindset, not only when it comes to caffeine addiction, but also when it comes to approaching <laughs> people. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need to get out to that side of the world and, we, and we're going to drink some Red Bulls together. 
<laughs> I, I can't yeah, wait to see that. the pictures for that one. Uh, uh, Tom, anything about – I'd love to have you chat before I go to some comments from Kirsten because we've got only about three or four minutes till we go to our predictions. Well, Tom Nusko already did his predictions, so you don't get predictions this time. You already did yours. <laughs> uh, I'm teasing you. Um, question is, what about that push? Our, our topic today is the final sprint closing strong, and I thought it was very telling and very important what Coca said. You can't just show up on social media and say, well, it's December 1st, and I'm the guy, I'm the gal, you got to buy from me, I know everything, and wow, I'll get you across your own company's finish line, and we'll do a great deal here. You, you have to be there, as Tom said, trusted and building a relationship for a long time before that. So does that change the push for fourth quarter closing? Should, you, should a salesperson using social media see every quarter as important for closing, Tom? And then Kirsten and then Coca, what do you think? Should we change the dynamics of the close timing? I would say um, basically you need to really listen each day what your customer is um, doing uh, online, what um, your prospects um, are interested in, in order to really be helpful and be relevant for them. Because I mentioned earlier that um, the timelines out there in all of our social media accounts, they are just getting um, um, bigger and bigger. And, uh, you know, tweets... um, disappear in, within seconds. Um, I think mm-hmm. it will be the same um, on Facebook and also on LinkedIn soon. The more people um, do get it, uh, will get it. And that said, you just need to um, listen in order to uh, provide relevant information so that people are actually willing to spend time with what you shared. And if you're not listening each day on what people are interested in, then they will just not consider yourself and the content that you're providing relevant. And without um, their willingness um, to um, share time on you and your topics, you will not um, be successful, neither in private life and uh, when it comes to um, gaining likes on Facebook, nor on LinkedIn when it comes to um, showcasing that you're a trusted advisor and also that you're a go-to person when it comes to selling stuff. Thank you very much. Very well put. Kirsten Boyleau, we've just, oh my goodness, we're at the crystal ball predictions round. Kirsten, I'm just going to open up. Is there any topic in your list that you wanted to cover? Any words of wisdom you want to share before I go back to Coca Sexton and ask him to look into the crystal ball? Kirsten? Just one really quick that I think with social selling, we, you know, we've talked about timelines and we've talked about being in front of your customer, you know, long, you know, in the long term and not in the short term. And I think with social selling, we have such a unique opportunity to be in, in front of our customers 24-7 with um, tweets that we send out, with LinkedIn updates that we send out. Uh, all of those things come across their, their um, timelines, their home pages, uh, when they're ready to look at it, which I think is a really unique opportunity. And I absolutely agree um, with, with what Tom said in terms of listening. I think that's one of the most critical pieces of social selling that gets uh, overlooked many, many times. Thank you. Words of wisdom from Kirsten. And we always get words of wisdom from Kirsten. That's why she's got this series. And good news is she's renewing in 2016. So we'll have 10 or more weeks of more social selling. Kirsten, I think we can't call it social selling 101. We have to call it 201 or advanced or something. We have to come up with a new (laughs) subtitle for that. So Coca Sexton, you have been warned. It is time for us to look into the crystal ball. I've got six minutes left till the end of the show. I'm going to be good mommy and divide it fairly evenly. So why don't we say 
say coca. I love the year 2020. I don't know how far in the future you can see. I'm going to give you 60 seconds to tell us what will change about this social selling closing strong in the final sprint. Anything we've discussed, what will be different? So coca sexton, 60 seconds predictions, go. So I'm going to go into 2016. I'll make this quick because I think that social moves too fast to predict it too far out. I believe that in 2016, we're going to get to a point that because we can measure social activity for salespeople, the one thing that keeps getting overlooked is how we're tracking that back to revenue. And that's the biggest problem, the pain point that faces companies, is how do you track social activity to revenue for sales professionals? And I think that 2016 is going to be that, that, that year that we figure that piece out. Wow. Okay. And uh, who's going to figure it out, Coca? I'm not letting you off the hook. You didn't use your full 60 seconds. Who's going to be the one to figure it out? Is it you? Is it LinkedIn? Is it Kirsten? Is it Tom? Who's going to figure it out? I'd love to take credit. And for the sake of this radio show, I'll say that I'm going to figure that out. Um, But I think really, I think that technology (laughs) is finally getting to a place between uh, CRMs and, and other social technologies to be able to actually map back social activity into um, opportunities and leads that are coming in. Thank you very much. Very eloquently put, Coca. And let's turn to Tom Nusko. Tom, you already gave us predictions about 20 minutes ago, but I'm going to give you a second round of predictions because I like you so much. So Tom Nusko, prediction 60 seconds, go. Uh, First of all, I think that um, social selling in 2020 won't be um, used uh, technology-wise on LinkedIn or on Facebook, but uh, the same as we experienced uh, with the plain usage of uh, Facebook, Twitter, and other channels, there will be social media management systems, maybe social selling media management systems or something like that, that um, as um, also, that as also um, Coca said, um, will not only focus on um, what to post and um, where to listen, but really provide also the opportunity to connect to CRM and to make measurement easier. And besides that, um, in 2020, we will finally get the hoverboard. That's my prediction. <laughs> we'll do what? Um, maybe you have heard of the hoverboard um, regarding Back to the Future. Uh, oh, yes, yes, week. yes, yes, hoverboard, of course. I believe that this is possible and we will get this done by 20. Oh, uh, that's great. Thank you very much. I'm sorry when I said, what? That's not my usual polite <laughs> style on the air, Tom. Forgive me. Kirsten, I saved. Well, Kirsten, your two gentlemen co-panelists are such gentlemen. We actually have about 90 seconds for your predictions. And since it's your show, take a little extra time. Go ahead, Kirsten. What do you see? How far in the future? Talk to me. Well, I would absolutely um, love to see that that uh, connection between social interaction and CRM, uh, you know, tracking of revenue happen. We can do it in um, kind of ad hoc ways at the moment, um, but I would love to see a much more automated uh, way of that happening. If it happens in 2016, I will, you know, Coca, I'll fly out to, to, uh, to San Francisco and take you out to there. That would be awesome. <laughs> We'll make that as long as Tom, as long as Tom flies in and buys the Red Bull, that we gotta have that, right? Absolutely. 
We still have, you know what, I'm just going to go around the table. Let's do a one, a lightning round, we'll call it. Coca Sexton, one sentence of advice to anybody listening anywhere in the world, any size company, any geography, any footprint, any level of maturity in social selling or their company's level of maturity. One word of advice that they should, something they should learn in before the end of 2015 about social selling. One sentence, Coca Sexton, go. Training needs to be implemented across the board. Thank you. Tom Nusko, one sentence. What's your advice? Um, having an alter ego is only good if you're Superman. If not, um, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Depends on who's. Listen, we just launched a new TV series here in the U.S. called Supergirl, and, and I saw the promos, and she says, well, that calls for Supergirl, and she rips open her shirt, and this super T-shirt appears, and she flies off to save the world. I can't believe in 2015 we're actually still doing this, so fantasy is alive and well. Thank you. Kirsten, one sentence. What is it? Make sure you listen to your customers. They will tell you what they want. Thank you very much. Great advice. What a good panel. I really appreciate all of you. Thank you so much to Coca Sexton at LinkedIn. I hope you'll come back. Tom Nusko, what a great sense of humor. Such a pleasure to talk to you. What a surprise you were. And Kristen, always wonderful to have you on. And a shout out to Justin and the Business Channel team for getting us on the air and keeping us on the air. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. A shout out also to Akua Odoi at SAP for her tweets and for helping us put these shows together. Hugs to you, Akua. You are a gem for us. Thank you so much. So time for my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Before you put that Red Bull in your in your mouth, go out and be a game changer today and then do it again after the Red Bull and see if you can measure the difference. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Social Selling with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.